Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-Community.com. All right, let's get started. Um, so today I'm going to be reading our scripture. It's going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. 28. It says, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Natalie. All right, so this passage that we're diving into it's interesting, right? Uh, we see a little bit of Jesus teaching with authority and then uh, of Jesus um, casting out demons with authority. Interesting stuff, right? Uh, and so we're going to dive into this concept of authority a little bit this morning. Uh, let me ask us, though, for a moment, uh, as I have in the recent weeks, just do you feel like, are you ready to hear gospel this morning? Are you ready for good news this morning? I don't know where you are, what you're coming from right now. Uh, we're no doubt coming from all different kinds of places this morning, right? So let me ask you to ask yourself, am I, am I ready for good news this morning? Uh, and then let me pray that we would be ready, okay? Lord, we pray just that, that our hearts would be ready to hear from you, that our hearts would be ready to hear good news this morning. Uh, whether we feel like we are struggling and suffering, uh, whether we feel like, oh boy, even that word authority seems a little scary this morning. Uh, no matter what we're coming from, uh, would you ready our hearts, Holy Spirit, for the gospel? We ask in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, so here we go. Authority. Mm. What's it make you think of? Right. <laughs> I'm a little scared uh, if uh, if I were to just open up the floor and say, what's it make you think of? I'm not sure that I want to hear all the answers that might be shouted out. Right. Uh, for some of us, perhaps it is Will Ferrell. Right. The, uh, the skit. I, now, I don't think that this skit on Saturday Night Live, when he actually did it, I don't think that many people thought it was funny. But then later on, uh, a DVD was released of like Best of Will Ferrell that I think included maybe this skit, but it also included uh, his audition for Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. For some reason, that is a hard phrase for my tongue to spit out. Saturday Night Live. Uh, he did an uh, audition for SNL. We'll say it that way. And uh, uh, he did a piece of this skit. So if you're not familiar with it at all, he's sort of, he's out by the grill, just having a conversation with neighbors, you know, 
uh, no big deal, uh, talking about football, whatever, just very chill. And then out of nowhere, he asserts his authority as a father and starts screaming at his son, off the shed, off the shed, over and over again, right? And uh, like, I genuinely did not think it was funny at all uh, when I first saw it, but it's grown on me over, over time. Maybe you think of Will Ferrell in a funny way. Maybe you think of authority in a not so funny way. Right? I mean, this skit hits home now. I'm a father. Oh, there are those moments where it's like, how did that noise even come out of the depths of my being towards my children? The holy cow, what is going on? Right? Uh, where uh, you, especially if it seems like one of them is in danger, especially, especially if one of them is putting another in danger, right? It's like, you will not. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, we're saving up for college and for counseling. So, uh, 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 you know, maybe you're, you feel like that for yourself. Like, oh, there are moments where I assert authority a little too much. Or you're thinking of your own parents or something at school or whatever. We, we all have a story probably of both uh, feeling the weight of authority uh, or maybe feeling like, oh, gosh, did I overstep bounds there in some way? Uh, and so we're looking at uh, some some perfect authority this morning. But I think it's good to acknowledge we have a real mixed feeling about it, don't we? Uh, especially so, so many of the stories in our culture uh, in the past few years in particular. It's like, oh, we just not have authority. What if we just didn't? We could just kind of all be in it together. Anarchy, right? That works. Uh, Jesus doesn't play that way. Uh, Jesus uh, says that he is authority, and we see it here. So we're in our series here, The Once and Future King. We're looking at the Gospel of Mark. I had planned for it to pause this week and then have a couple guests come in for the next couple weeks. Uh, And then, uh, as I've mentioned, we're going to come back to Mark several times throughout the year. Instead, I'm going to extend it one more week. And uh, so you'll get to hear from Thorne next week. He'll be preaching. Uh, And then uh, who I had hoped to get next week is going to switch around to the 19th. So some of you might know my friend Daryl Ford, uh, who pastored Icon Community Church over in Decatur for a time. So he'll be coming over uh, with us in uh, on the 19th. So uh, we've got a couple more weeks in this series in Mark. We're looking at Jesus, the way that Mark is introducing him to the world, introducing him to uh, likely the uh, Gentile and Roman world as this king, this once king and future king. So it ties in well with our our theme of authority this morning. And so Jesus is still in this same area. We've looked at the map a couple of times. I didn't know if the map felt silly to you at all or not, but then somebody was like, I really like when you put maps up there. It helps me get a visual. So we're going to stay with the map. Um, So just so you got an idea, right, Uh, Jesus has been doing ministry in this area. Nazareth over here, here's his hometown. He's been around the Sea of Galilee. He's coming up here to Capernaum, right, Uh, which is kind of on the northwest side of the sea there. Uh, And this is is where he does a lot of ministry, actually. He kind of camps out here quite a bit. So Mark says he he, after he's called the disciples, they kind of march up there to Capernaum. And they teaches uh, in the synagogue. This would have been uh, something that's commonplace. If a guest 
rabbi comes in, he would often be invited in to, to read and to give a teaching of some sort. Mark doesn't give us any idea what he says, does he? Nothing at all uh, in terms of what did Jesus actually teach there. And again, this is uh, pretty indicative of what Mark is up to. He's doing a lot more in terms of telling you what Jesus did than what he taught, actually. Uh, but even as Mark is not telling us what he taught, uh, he's given us something really important about the fact that he taught and what was the import of the things that Jesus said. So uh, supposedly uh, in the synagogues, the rabbis, the scribes, right, would typically not teach uh, with authority the way that Jesus did. Right, so they would they would typically lean on uh, some teachers say this, some teachers say that. Right, that's that's part of a good sermon. You get a little, some allusions, some quotes, etc., from other folks who have gone before. Uh, theirs seem to be more based in that, and not really offering uh, an opinion about the scriptures. Mark doesn't tell us that exactly, but he does say a few things. One, Jesus taught with the authority of God. We see that super clearly, right? And the people were amazed at his teaching, it says. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So one commentator, Robert Gundry, says that the metaphor here is that they were knocked out with astonishment, actually. Like, we should, we should translate it that way. They're knocked out with astonishment, uh, sort of overwhelmed by the authority coming from this new teacher. This is nothing like something we've heard before. It's like the entire time that Jesus is teaching, they're just gobsmacked, basically, right? Jaw open kind of a thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, you notice this some throughout the New Testament, don't you? Jesus several times says things like, you've heard it said, doesn't he? You've heard it said, but I say to you. And so this is the kind of thing that Jesus does, isn't it? He's teaching from the scriptures here, uh, but he, he talks about, hey, there are things that you're hearing in and among the culture. There are things that you're hearing from your teachers. And he's not countering it merely with, but if you think about Deuteronomy in the context of, of <laughs> he's saying, but I say to you, right? Authority. Like, I have the authority to define this for you. I have the authority uh, to interpret this for you perfectly. You've heard it said, but I say to you, right? You've heard it said uh, uh, to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And then Jesus, what's he do? He ups the ante, doesn't he? Because he has authority to up the ante. We don't know what he was saying here in Mark, but this is the kind of thing he was doing. He says, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Okay. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, uh, this is the kind of thing he does with his authority. Right? He, he uh, cuts to the heart of things. Uh, he really ups the ante uh, to tell really good, really obedient people it's not good enough. Not good enough. And it never could be. Allie and I went through a phase several years back where we were doing uh, 
audiobooks, especially when my folks lived back in West Virginia. We had a pretty long uh, drive every once in a while, and so we'd stick uh, Dostoevsky on or something like that. So we really did, and it was great. Uh, and one time uh, we did uh, uh, an F. Scott Fitzgerald book, This Side of Paradise, and this quote stuck with me for years from this character, uh, the main character kind of goes and hangs out with uh, a priest often and gets some wisdom. And there's really cool stuff in there. So this Monsignor Darcy says, often through life, you'll really be at your worst when you seem to think best of yourself. I think that's uh, that's catching some of the heart of what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's not just upping the ante and like, oh no, actually there are a lot more rules for you to follow. <laughs> no, no, no the heart. You guys think you're doing really well, but let me authoritatively press in a little bit, right? Uh, show you what's really going on. So Jesus teaches with authority. Second thing we see, Jesus governs with authority. Jesus governed with the authority of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him to this impure spirit, to this demon. Uh, which, uh, whether it's singular or plural, it looks like it may be plural demons, I guess. Uh, it may be that this uh, demonic spirit has so identified with the person uh, that it is uh, taken hold of, that it's speaking in the plural. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Right? Even the demons believe and shudder says James 2.19. Right, so this, this evil spirit knew who Jesus was uh, and was deeply afraid. And so Jesus has the authority not only to speak to us authoritatively, define for us what is, what isn't, right, and how we walk forward in light of that. He, he also has the authority to conquer the evil powers of this world and we saw that a few weeks back when we looked at his baptism. Jesus overcame the evil one, didn't he? In his temptation, he defeated Satan in that respect, right? And then uh, he is casting out his little minions, right? Casting them out with authority. He has the power of God. And commanding the obedience of the spiritual powers also makes clear to us that he could command the obedience of people. Right? There's, a, there's a both and that's clearly present there. They say, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And so there's, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of a, and I'm losing my words all of a sudden here, but a heightening, right? There's a heightening that's going on and not, not only are we coming in here to hear good teaching, I said, whoa, it's teaching with authority. What is this? They're astonished. And then he casts out spirits, and it's like, oh, even more, right? There is a heightening throughout uh, these seven verses or so. Like, oh, no, it's even better. Oh, no, it's even better. Oh, no, it's even better. Uh, Jesus is the one who has the authority of God. And so the last thing is the authority of God in Jesus motivated people to spread the word about him. It's like the astonishment is just growing and growing and growing. And what's it do? It explodes out of that synagogue into the community and far beyond, we know, because we're here, 
Uh, the authority of God in Jesus motivated people to spread the word about him. It says news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The authority of Jesus uh, pushes people in, in beings as well, right? spiritual beings, uh, as well as human beings who are matter and spirit, right? The authority of Jesus pushes us in one direction or another. That's what it does. It pushes us in one direction or another. It, either excitement and spreading the word or afraid. The scribes and the Pharisees largely were in the second category. Right? The, the authority of Jesus spoken uh, in his teaching scared them. They don't like that at all, right? Uh, they're interpreting and applying the law in such a way, even as they don't assert authority in their speaking moment, in such a way that it becomes a second law. That there's even more for the people to have to obey. Right? Oh, don't just don't just tie this, tie that. Right? Uh, if, if there's something sinful on uh, on this street, stay away from one block away. You're not allowed to go. Things kind of along those lines, hedging against sin in such a way that Jesus even describes them as like tying up heavy burdens on the people. It's very different upping of the ante, so to speak, between the scribes and the Pharisees and what Jesus does, isn't it? They take the word of God, the law of God, and say like, mm, yeah. Yeah, that's sin, but actually, you probably should stay away from this too if you don't want to do that sin, so this is sin too. And actually, right, they're upping the ante and creating more and more laws for people to be able to come to God, right? Follow this law so that you can be okay with God, and follow this new law that I'm giving you as well so you can be okay with God. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is there uh, to untie people's burdens, isn't he? But he's still up in the ante, and, and he's doing it in such a way to expose their hearts. Expose ours as well, right? You're putting your trust in the obeying. If you really obeyed these laws about murder, adultery, etc., it would be a lot different. It would be from the heart. So maybe instead of creating all these new regulations, you should throw yourself on my mercy. That's, that's what Jesus is upping the ante is all about. It's not to make them feel bad. <laughs> it's not to heap shame on them. Actually, you people have done this in your heart. Therefore, right? Jesus is doing that to show them themselves. Let me show you what's going on inside of here. Let me hold up a mirror for a moment here and let you see yourself. You need me. That's what's going on when Jesus does this. It'd be easy to forget. Flannery O'Connor in one of her letters says, the operation of the church is entirely set up for the sinner, which creates much misunderstanding among the smug. <laughs> Most scribes and Pharisees uh, seemed to fall in the category of the smug. You seem to see a couple of them that maybe, uh, maybe did not, but 
uh, they seem to fall in this category of thinking they had something to offer, right? They had it together. They were pretty good people. They cared about the right things. They did the right things. Uh, and yet, it's all set up for the sinner. First Peter 2, 6 through 8 says, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of defense. There's something about it when we encounter Jesus, when they encountered his person in that moment, in the incarnation, and when we encounter him in and through the scriptures, that it's sort of like God has placed a stone in our path. And we have a choice in terms of uh, whether we see this as what, what God says about it, uh, precious, chosen, special. We should build everything around us. <laughs> this should be the cornerstone. And the capstone, somehow in the scriptures, it's the cornerstone and the capstone, you know, but all that to say, it's an important stone, isn't it? Uh, we should build on this. And, and that's what the gospel does. It pushes us one way or the other. Yeah, it, it gives us hope to say, oh, wow, I, that's right. I could never measure up. Let me sell everything to have this. Uh, let me give up everything to build on this. Or we keep trying to walk past it and it becomes a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. There's a reality that that's what happens when the gospel is, is spoken as well, right? There's a, there's a softening or a hardening that's going on. And so for those of us who claim to follow Jesus, we want the gospel to always be a softening don't we? We want to ask the Lord uh, as we do in praying before sermons, etc. Like, oh, Lord, meet us here. Soften our hearts. Work, Holy Spirit. We don't just want to hear nice theological, biblical things or whatever uh, and then walk out unchanged. What good is that? We want to be changed by the Spirit. We want to be changed by interacting with the scriptures with the good news of Jesus. Here's what happens when that is going on. The loving yet all-powerful kingship of Jesus draws his true followers to obey him and to share him. When the gospel is getting a hold of our hearts, the reality of this one who has authority and wields it on our behalf, Right? Uh, we are being transformed slowly but surely to be one who says, I'm going to obey. I don't know that I like this, but I trust you. I'm going to step out in faith because the gospel is true. I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow. Uh, and I can't help but share. Again, we'll go back to whatever last week. That doesn't mean God's trying to turn you into a door-to-door -door vacuum salesman or multi-level marketing person, right? No, 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 no. Right? But you just don't hide who you are. It comes out somehow, some way, as you're building relationship, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's a strange part of the modern world that we kind of have to constantly remind ourselves and one another that a follower must follow, <laughs> right? A follower of Jesus means 
you follow Jesus. You do the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus said to do. That's not to say that people in the past were better necessarily. You know, they just uh, kind of figured out ways to not obey uh, differently. We, we have we struggle with the concept. We struggle with the concept that, like, if I'm a follower of Jesus, that means that all the things that he said to do, I got to do. Right? There's grace in it, but nonetheless, I'm called to follow him. Right? We're kind of like, oh, okay, yes, what if I believe in you, but I'm going to do everything my way? That's cool, right? Maybe, but it's not following. <laughs> okay, what if, Jesus, hear me out, I'm going to believe in you. Uh, and I will mostly follow you. But this little space over here, that's my world. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my thing over here. Right? This section right here, because I'm pretty sure that it's okay. You know, and I, I I feel like you probably just want me to be happy. So my gut is I that's probably okay. I'm gonna just be king of my life in this uh little area. Think about it in a physical sense. Like uh, if we decide we're going to go north, we're going to go due north, we're going to get to Michigan, we're going to rub it in on them, right? The Bulldogs won. We're going to march up to Michigan. <laughs> we're going to go due north. Uh, and uh, we're following someone. We're going north to Michigan. You know, I, how about this? I'm following you. You're just, you're just charting a path straight up to Michigan, north. But at every intersection, I hang a right. Right. Every intersection, I hang a right. I mean, I, then I hang a left again. I, I start going north again, right? But every single intersection I come to first, I'm going to take a right. I'm going to go east and then east again and then a little bit east and then a little bit east. Right? I'm going to be in a very different state. That's what following is. Have you ever really needed to follow someone? Like, again, physically? When you need to follow someone, you know that you cannot just take a right here and there. Right? If you need to go north, is you can't just fool around with a little bit of east and a little bit of east. You have got to stay with them. Uh, we don't need this as often because we have maps these days. And this week, I've been told that people are using Apple Maps, which is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> I downloaded it. I'm still trying to figure out what you people like about this. I'm obsessed with it. I love maps so much. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking about maps uh, for now. Um, you know, one time I was with uh, my youth group I was involved in. We did a mission trip uh, to the uh, Baja Peninsula in Mexico. We went down to Ensenada. And uh, so we flew out to L.A. where my youth pastor had gone to college and we hung out with some of his friends. And then we drove down uh, through San Diego and into Mexico. And we had two vans that we had rented. And I was in the following van with my buddy's dad and our youth pastor, who was, I don't know, she's like 26, 27, something at that point. He was uh, the lead van. And he just was not thinking real hard about the people who were needing to follow him. And so we got lost-ish here. Yeah, Tijuana, <laughs> which was uh, at least in the mid-90s. I don't know anything about Tijuana now, but it was kind of a rough town. Uh, and my friend's dad was more furious than I've ever seen him in my life. Uh, we needed to follow him. We needed those taillights. And that's what it means to follow 
That's what it means to follow. You know, I'm sticking with you, Jesus. I need you. I ain't trying to get lost in Tijuana, physically or morally. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, that's the reality. The good news draws us into following Jesus, sharing Jesus. And I think we all have to be reminded of the, the power of the good news sometimes, don't we? Absolutely. We're human. One of my mentors used to say, we leak gospel. Right? We're like the broken cisterns. We just got to keep having gospel come in because we leak it. Right? But the reality is, I mean, you know, if we have to be reminded, it just means that we have lost clarity of what the good news is on some level at some point. Right? What is the good news? The good news is that the one who had authority to speak it and you came into being created all to love you, uh, created everything in order to bless, uh, in order for human beings to reflect his love and his goodness and his beauty. And yet we chose uh, to follow ourselves, which is a, a great little like dog chasing his tail kind of metaphor, isn't it? Uh, we, we chose that. We chose to be our own authority to say, we'll be the ones uh, who determine what's right and wrong. Thanks very much, but we don't need you. Right? Uh, a cosmic rebellion against God, against his uh, loving authority, his gentle and kind kingship. We opted to go the other way. Uh, and everything is broken now uh, because of that. Internally, we're, we're broken right? Psychologically uh, and, and uh, spiritually as well. We're separated from God. We're broken in our relationships with one another. We're broken in our relationship with the earth itself, aren't we? There's brokenness that just pervades everywhere. And yet the one with authority came for us. And that's what Mark is telling us about here, isn't it? The king came not just to uh, break us and rule over us. No, uh, but to conquer evil on our behalf, to conquer the evil of the evil one who lives to tempt us and torment us and lie to us, uh, to conquer as well our sin on the cross, uh, taking our penalty upon himself to make us one with him, to bring us into the throne room, to bring us into the intimacy of relationship with the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's what it's all about. And so we need to rediscover our wonder of the good news. You know, rediscover wonder at the gospel. Has it become cold to you? Has it become dead to you? I saw this uh, Paul Tripp uh, quote this week. This wasn't part of the sermon, but it made it in. Uh, he said, as we grow in grace, we will hear the old, old story of the gospel of Jesus Christ in brand new ways as it continues to do its rescuing and transforming work. And... Uh, I shared this, you may have seen it already, but uh, I would say, so if the good news seems old to us, or maybe not so good to us, I think it's possible that what we've done is get the gospel of Jesus Christ confused with something else. 
Because the reality is when you know that you are loved, you know it, you love. And again, this passage shows us that not that love displays itself in following him and sharing. Right? The king with all authority has loved you, believer. He has loved you. He's conquered all the evil powers for you already. It's a done deal. It's over. He's taken the penalty of your sin. If you have confessed and believed on Jesus, your sin, the one you're going to do tomorrow that's going to shock you a little bit, gone, right? Jesus has saved us from the penalty of our sin. He is saving us from the power of sin as well. Slowly but surely, as we walk in faith, uh, he is setting us free more and more from those besetting sins. And one day, he is setting us free from the penalty, I mean, excuse me, from the presence of sin as well. He has promised that he will make all things new. And that starts in us. At the very presence of sin, God, I don't even know what it looks like. Can I even imagine what that looks like to be without sin in my mind and heart? To be without jealousy? <laughs> to be without that little part of you that's like, oh, just shade the truth. Just shade the truth a little bit here. Make it sound a little bit better. To be in a, a, a community and a society without sin? He promises that. All things new, consummated in his grace. And he has the authority to make good on these promises. That's good news, right? No matter how you and I may have experienced authority in the past, no matter how bad it may have been wielded against us with Jesus, it's good. It's part of the good news, isn't it? It's part of the good news. We want Jesus to have authority. Uh, and that promise that he can make it all things new, we, we see the first fruits of it now, don't we? You know how uh, when, the, when the sun starts to get low, shadows get longer? It's almost like the sun's getting low and we see the shadow of Jesus out there in front of that door. He's coming. Right? The shadow may be long. It may take a minute. You may not see it with your own eyes while you are living in this life, but he is coming. The king is coming to make good on these promises. And so we need to rehearse this to ourselves. We need to rehearse this in community. If we are to rediscover the beauty of Jesus, the beautiful reality of Jesus, that means we have to come back to it again and again, don't we? We have to remember it. We have to rehearse it. We have to speak it to one another and never assume it. Assuming the good news has massive consequences, not only for ourselves, but also for our communities, communities of faith, particularly uh, as they go on and we pass away. D.A. Carson talks about uh, a friend of his, Dr. Paul Kiebert, who I believe was in the Mennonite um, uh, tradition, who talks about how the gospel began to get assumed uh, in his circles. He says this, one generation believed the gospel and held as well that there were certain social, economic, and political entailments. The next generation assumed the gospel, but identified with the entailments. The following generation denied the gospel. 
the entailments became everything. And obviously it's not like a one generation, one generation kind of thing necessarily, but that is, that is the reality uh, when we don't speak gospel to each other, to one another uh, in the family, in the body, in the church, we begin to assume it and eventually we lose it for our kids or grandkids or whoever, right? Whereas the reality is uh, when we rehearse the gospel together, we rediscover it and it goes out from us. And it doesn't always have to be all that programmatic, as a matter of fact, because we are just in awe of Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you've had a smaller sort of rediscovery of joy. Uh, it may help you to think about it. You know, you rediscover something that's like, oh, yes, I used to love this. And you kind of maybe you get all back into it again. Uh, here's a, a super small one for me and for us as a family recently. Uh, I binged, uh, I fell asleep some in this binging, but I went back and watched the rest of it. My poor wife has to watch so much on her own, but uh, last uh, November, December, whenever the Beatles documentary came out, you know what I'm talking about? Get Back uh, on Disney. It was so fascinating to me. And uh, for a while, it got me into the Beatles a little bit and uh, you know, was playing songs in the car. And then my kids started to love the Beatles, uh, which is wild because even though you know my parents were never like really into the Beatles necessarily. And so uh, it was just it's fun. Uh, they know certain songs and have certain songs that they love. And so, uh, you know, my littlest guy loves the song here comes the sun and uh so he would you know he'd just sing it in the back that's about all he knew here comes the sun here comes the sun. uh and recently something brought us back to it and it was just a, a rediscovery it was only about a year ago but just a rediscovery of a, a small joy right uh hearing my little guy sing it again he can sing a lot better he can pronounce words a lot better now here comes the sun Right. Here comes the sun. The king with authority uh, is coming. Remember it. Rehearse it. Let's fix our hearts on it. Let me pray. Lord, we want to live in light of your authority really and truly, and we all do that really and perfectly. We know. So we won't, we don't want to glorify some certain level of being able to obey better than someone else. We don't want to compare to anyone else. We just want to bring our hearts and our lives before you and ask you uh, to really, by your spirit, convict us of your authority and your love in the midst of it. Uh, that we might be just as astonished as those folks in the synagogue in Capernaum uh, at who you are and at what you have done and at what you continue to do, uniting yourself to us, being with us here and now, giving us your spirit to strengthen us, to follow you, Oh, Father, I pray for us individually. I, I just pray for us as well as a community. Would you make us just obsessed with the gospel? And we've talked about it before, not, not a, a truncated gospel that's only about trying to get people to, to pray a prayer with us, 
Not a gospel that that's, uh, talks about your forgiveness and then drops it. Uh, but a gospel of your love being poured out on humanity uh, and your promise to work in and through us to bring restoration and renewal and all things new. Astonish us, we pray. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.